Um, so this morning, um, you know, in general, I would just say, if you hang around here for a while, the, the topic of God as our father is gonna come up a lot. Um, we did a series probably two and a half years ago now just called Fathered by God. And we spent weeks and weeks talking about um, just learning to allow him, even in our adult lives, to father us and to equip us um, as parents in the lives of our children. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna talk about our Father God, who he is, what he's like, but I wanna give us a little framework for how we're gonna approach this together. Um, if you're in the room and, and you're a dad or, or you maybe hope to be one day, that's great. I pray this will be equipping for you as a father. Um, if you're a mom in the room or want to be a mom one day, I, I believe this will be beneficial to you. But I think sometimes when we're talking about parenting or we're talking about God as a parent, for those of us that might be single, we don't have kids, whatever, maybe we could feel like this, this isn't for us, but that, that could not be further from the truth. Could not be further from the truth. I believe God has something here for every single one of us. He calls us his children. He's placed us in his family. And I believe who God is as a father is meant to directly impact the way that our lives, our homes, and our community are shaped. If, if you're anything like me, you look around at what's happening in, in our country, in our culture, and you might have some concerns about where we are and where we're headed. I do. But the truth is, despite how things look around us, God has given us a path to live wherever he has placed us in history to give us a sense of purpose and direction and guys, to provide a place that is, is safe and welcoming for us and for future generations. And so as a backdrop, I wanna take a look at Deuteronomy chapter six this morning. Now the whole book of Deuteronomy, it's, it's like Moses' grandfatherly advice to Israel. He's led them out of Egypt He's led them as they've spent 40 years in the wilderness. And now the next generation is stepping up to the plate and they're about to move into the promised land. Joshua, the one he's kind of poured into as the future leader, Joshua is gonna lead them forward. And so Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, it's like his final speech to this big family of God. And he's giving them a sense of how to establish themselves individually and themselves as a people as they go into a place that's hostile. You know, they, they came out of Egypt where they were in slavery. They're moving into this land that is, that is full of people who are hostile towards God and his people. And listen, the future that's coming for them, they're gonna eventually be in captivity in Babylon. We fast forward to Jesus' day, they're gonna be under the Roman rule and reign. God's people have always been in precarious situations where the culture and the circumstance around them is in direct opposition to God. But Moses gives them a path to run on so that they can sense, how do I create this sense of a place, of a home, of a place where I belong, 
wherever I am, wherever I go. And so let's hear his words from Deuteronomy chapter six. I wanna start by reading just the first three verses. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules. Like he's giving practical direction that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. There is territory you're gonna go into and that's gonna be your home. That's gonna be where you live. And so here's the practical wisdom God is giving you. Verse two, that you may fear the Lord your God. Look at this, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Verse three, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. You see the picture Moses is painting here? He's saying, there is, there is this place for you where you're gonna experience health, success. There is a good life available to you and it's a life that will bring stability that can last. Friends, we live in a, in a broken, shifting world where change is inevitable. And I mean, things these days don't feel like they last five minutes, much less five years feels very unstable. But see, the truth is God, God has given us a firm foundation where we can find stability in the midst of chaos, where we can find success in the midst of a hostile world that's around us. And so Moses says, be purposeful to grab hold of all of this stuff I've been giving you, I've been teaching you. Be purposeful to take hold of it and, and do it. Live it out. Let this stuff permeate your life and it will create a place for you in the world, wherever you go. Now, I love what comes next. This is, this is central to the whole thing, verses four and five. So he says all of that and he says really simply to them, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Anybody else know who said that? Yeah. Hundreds of years later, Jesus shows up on the scene. He says, you wanna know what all the laws and statutes rely upon? Every piece of information in the scripture that's been given for your benefit, the statutes, the rules that Moses is even referring to. Jesus says the whole thing hangs on this, loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says that trickles down and affects all these relationships. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. It affects everything. See, here's the truth. The, the path to success in life is rooted in having clarity about where our focus lies. Our anchor point, our aim is God himself. I love the simplicity. He says, God's people, listen, the Lord our God, he's one. 
He's not changing. He's not shifting with the times. He's not even, he's not even mysterious. Now, now he is mysterious. He's above us. He's beyond us. But he's not, he's not a mystery to us in the sense that we can't find him. That we can't understand who he is and what he has for us. In fact, he has declared himself. He's made himself known. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm like, and I am with you. And so Moses says, this life that is available to you, it's rooted in the character and nature of God. And so therefore, you should treasure him. That's what he's describing. Loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means I'm gonna treasure him. I'm gonna treasure who he is. I'm gonna focus on him. I'm gonna rely upon him. I'm gonna look to him. Our Father in heaven, if we will let him, he is meant to be the primary influence in our lives. I I thought about doing this this morning and I I just, I didn't wanna take too much time going down a rabbit trail, but it's it's mind-boggling what statistics show about our children when they don't have a father present in their lives. It's mind-boggling, the statistics. Like every major category, whether it's suicide rates, imprisonment, poverty level, teenage pregnancy, when, when there's just a father present in the home, the rates are microscopic compared to when there's an absent father. The, the truth is our society, whether we like to acknowledge this or not, is dramatically shaped by the fathering or lack of fathering that takes place in our lives. And if we reflect even in our own lives, you know, maybe you had a, a father who was just absent. Maybe you had an, an incredible father or anywhere in between. The bottom line is we all had imperfect fathers. Dad's in the room. Any of you aware of the fact that you are imperfect this morning? Man, my hand is up. The truth is how we were fathered shapes how we operate in the world. Ladies, this isn't just about men. The presence of a father or lack of a father in your life, you've been dramatically impacted by that. It shapes how we view ourselves and the world around us. And so how we were fathered, we draw upon that experience and it affects us in all kinds of ways. Either we repeat what we've learned or we try to do the opposite. I know that wasn't good, so maybe if I just do the opposite of that, that might work out. Then some of us begin to realize, well, maybe if I allow the heavenly father to impact me, that can change things. And I believe many of us within the church have purpose to say, God, I wanna know who you are and want you to impact my life. And yet I think there's a lot of broken thinking even amongst the people of God where we misperceive who our heavenly father is. And so if if I've come to view him as somehow like absent, distant in my life, or maybe I, I view him a little bit as kind of this harsh authority figure, it affects me. The way I view him affects how I live my life. So God's heart for us is that we would have a clear picture of who he is so that could be the defining thing about us. 
the more we see God for who he really is and how he's really fathering each of us, it will shape our lives. It will shape our future lives. See, the truth is we all have areas of influence. I've got family members around me that I influence. I've got friendships that I influence. I've got environments at work that I influence. I have an impact in my community. What I pass on, what I experience, it is directly connected to what we see, what we think of when we picture our Father in heaven. And so here's what I'd like to do this morning. I want to take about 25, 30 minutes. This is not a comprehensive list, but I want to walk through seven different ways that our Heavenly Father fathers us. My, my goal this morning isn't for you to like memorize all seven and just have really good notes. My, my hope is that he would talk to you. Maybe he would even show you one or two of these specific ways that, that he just wants to highlight to you this morning. An area where he wants, he wants you to know, I'm coming alongside of you, I'm loving you in this way. I see you this way. Here's my heart towards you. And that it would just, we would allow this truth about who he is to, to get down inside of us. That we would approach this truth the way Moses encouraged us to. That I would determine to say, God, I want the truth of who you are. I don't want to just hear it in some sermon on Sunday morning. God, I want the truth of who you are to be an anchor point in my life. I want this to permeate my heart. And slowly but surely that it would so change my life that it would leave a lasting legacy. That in the midst of a tumultuous, chaotic world, I would find a sense of stability and I would be able to provide for some other people a sense of home, a sense of comfort, a sense of stability. Man, I want that. I want that in my life. I want that in my relationships. I want that for my children. And I believe it's, it's available to us through a great God who loves us. So we ready for this? All right, I'm gonna pray a quick prayer, all right? And I, I wanna encourage you, join me in this. Heavenly Father, would you come and show us your heart towards us? God, if there's stuff in here this morning that we've already heard, Lord, I pray we move beyond just information that we have in our minds. God, that this truth would touch, impact, heal our hearts. Lord, I love what Alex shared this morning. There was Alex before Jesus and Alex after Jesus. And God, that's true of all of us. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be touched, would be captured, would be caught up in who you are. The one true living God. Perfect in all of your ways. God, I pray you would fill our vision, our minds, our hearts, and that the truth of who you are would, would change us. That the, the people we are as your sons and daughters would be forever impacted. God, as, as wives, as husbands, as fathers, as mothers, as children, as people living in a broken world, God, would you change our hearts with who you are? 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, number one. God fathers us with amazing love. He fathers us with amazing love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. I, I love it whenever the word behold shows up in Scripture. It means like pay attention recognize this, but it goes beyond just seeing it briefly. Behold literally means like, like hold on to it, check it out, look at it from every angle, every aspect. Let it really capture your focus and attention. Behold the amazing love of God. Listen, it's a love that he bestows upon us. It literally means he places it on us as an act of his will. He chooses to pour love out on us. He chooses to make us his kids. And listen, it's not reliant on us earning it or deserving it or our behavior. He just loves us because we're his kids. It's just a truth of who he is. He chooses to bestow, to pour out, to lavish love upon us. It's unconditional. In fact, I would almost even say it's so beyond unconditional that like he knows we're never gonna earn it or deserve it. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificially lays down his life to bestow love upon us. I don't know if we appreciate how unique that is in this world. So many of the authority figures in our lives, parents, teachers, fill in the blank, whether they even realize it or not, so many of us give love in very conditional ways. So many of us even use expressions of love or withholding love to communicate whether I'm happy with someone or not. We, we use love to affirm behavior that we like. We can also withhold love to communicate, I'm not happy with you right now. I'm holding you at arm's length. You ever heard that phrase, right? I'm holding you at arm's length. I'm withholding love from you. He doesn't father us like that. See, I fear all too often, like this is something I'm constantly like, Lord, help me not to do this with my kids. Like I, I don't wanna be the kind of dad that where my kids think my love for them is dependent upon their performance. I love them just for who they are. That, the amount of security that that brings, you can't even quantify it can't even put it into words, just knowing I'm loved, I'm safe, I'm secure. God's amazing love is unconditional. One of my biggest fears just personally in my life and, and now pastoring is that we become too familiar with certain aspects of who God is that we've, we've heard someone say God loves me so many times 
that it just, it almost doesn't even have much of an impact when we hear it anymore. But my hope and prayer is that we hear it in a fresh new way daily. God's saying, Andrew, I love you. I love you right here today. I'm for you. I'm with you. I love you. Have, have you heard him say that to you recently? Have you heard God communicate his great love towards you? He does. He does love you. And he is communicating it. That leads to the second thing this morning. Not only does he father us with amazing love, he fathers with intimate involvement. We have a father who is present. I wanna encourage you on your own. I'm gonna read just two or three verses here in a minute. But I encourage you on your own, check out Psalm 139. Like the whole Psalm is about God's heavy involvement in our lives. Check out the first few verses here. This is a Psalm of David and he writes, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all of my ways. He's intimately involved in our lives. He cares about every little aspect of what's going on with us. He's aware, he's present. The Psalm goes on to describe things like this. You know, he created us. He created us. That's, that's special. That's really cool. I know a few artists in my life. My daughter is, is kind of growing. My oldest daughter, Ashley, she's kind of growing into an artist and she's enjoying painting and drawing. And it's incredible to watch like the thought, the time, the energy that goes into that. There's that idea, that inspiration. And then there's making it come to life. Guys, we're his handiwork. We're his masterpiece. I don't think we appreciate how much that communicates God's love for us. Like, Look at you, I made you perfectly. And, and the scripture even says we're made in his image. So that means he put a little piece of himself in you. How cool is that? He's intimately involved. He created us. He was present at our birth. It, it, the Psalm describes how he knows everything about us, every thought, every word. It communicates that he's ever present and continually thinking of us. Jesus says this about our father in Matthew 6. He says, for your father knows the things you need the things you need of before you ask him. He's so in tune with our lives, he knows what we're gonna need an hour from now that we haven't even thought of yet. He's that, he's that in tune with us. He's intimately involved in the aspects of our life. He's not physically removed, he's not emotionally removed, he's present. Guys, this is so important. Man, as parents, Let's purpose in our hearts to say, God, I recognize your intimate involvement in my life and I wanna be, I wanna pour that into my kids. I want my kids to know I'm around. I see them, I see what's going on in their lives. I love them, I care about them. I'm not distant, I'm not checked out when I get home from work. I'm present, I'm there. I, I remember a time early in our marriage and I was talking to um, just a father figure in my life, someone I looked up to and was just talking about the struggle of like, I'm at work all day, every day. I'm coming home. I've got several young kids. And man, I, I have a huge heart for, we've got a lot of like parents with young kids in this church. Um, I remember <laughs> my youngest is turning 10 this week. 
So we're moving into a whole new phase of life. But I, I remember and just, man, I just remember being desperate for sleep. <laughs> and I'd come home from work and like, I was just exhausted. I hadn't got much sleep the night before. And I know, like I'm pulling up to the house and I know like Amy needs me to be present. Like she's tired too. And I'm just ready to check out. And so I remember like, I'm, I'm trying to get some advice from my, this friend of mine that I looked up to. I'm like, man, what do I do? I'm exhausted. I'm thinking like, maybe he can help me figure out how to get Amy to be more understanding and give me more of a break when I get home. Like that's what I'm looking for selfishly. And instead he looked at me, he goes, your problem is you think you're clocking out when you hit the button at work and you go home and you're not. He's like, when you pull up in the driveway, even if it takes you five minutes, you just sit in the car and talk to the Lord and you need to clock back in for a little while. You need to be present and purposeful in those first handful of hours when you get home. Love your wife, serve her, be present with your kids. Don't let work get your best and your family get your leftovers. That, that's, that's what the Father does for us. He's intimately involved. He's ever-present. And guys, see, some of this stuff that we're learning about, what he's like, he comes with grace and, and he gives us what we need to do that. And the best piece of advice he gave me wasn't just to be present at home. It was take the five minutes in the car with the Lord. Okay, God, today I need help. Like if I'm trying to figure out what the next five years are gonna look like with these young kids, I'm gonna feel overwhelmed. But you know what, God, today... I can ask you for help to be present and involved in the lives of my kids. He's intimately involved. Number three, he fathers with boastful affirmation. I love that. Boastful affirmation. You might be sitting there going, Jake, I don't know if God's boastful. That seems wrong. Well, let me just give you a picture of this. Matthew chapter three, verse 17. After Jesus has been baptized, he comes up out of the water and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, that's my boy. <laughs> this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God did this again when Jesus had this cool little moment up on the Mount of Transfiguration where these old guys from the past show up and he's with Moses and Elijah and Peter, James and John are there with him in the midst of all of that the voice from heaven comes and says the same words. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Here's what's really cool about this. The father made it clear to Jesus how he viewed Jesus. Jesus knew in his heart that he was loved by his father. But the father went beyond having love and pride even. Like, that's my son, I'm pleased with him. I like him, I'm proud of him. It wasn't just something the father carried in his heart, it was something he declared, and get this, he declared it publicly. He declared it so other people could hear. He does what Alex was talking about last Sunday, where we need to speak up with encouragement. God declared it in front of others, I'm proud of my kid. I'm proud of my kid. He looks at you and he says, I love you and I like you. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. I'm glad you're my son. I'm glad you're my daughter. Listen, guys, we gotta make a habit. I'm not gonna re-preach Alex's message. It was great. Go listen last Sunday if you missed it. But we need to decide, I'm gonna communicate the things that are in my heart. I would rather my kids get tired of hearing me say, I love you and I'm proud of you. 
than them be hungry for it and not hear it. And I want my kids, I want it to be known. I want them to hear me. If they ever walk up on a conversation I'm talking about them, I want to hear them, I want them to hear me bragging about them, complimenting them, encouraging them publicly. That's my kid. I love them. I'm proud of them. Guys, we live in a world that's starving for this kind of affirmation. And dads, like as a dad, for many of us, this is an area where maybe we're not comfortable. Maybe we never heard from a male figure this kind of stuff. Maybe we knew our dad loved us, like we were aware he did, but he wasn't really able to put it into words. Maybe he never like looked you in the eye and said, I'm proud of you. Whether you receive that or not, dads, we, we gotta be purposeful to put those thoughts that are in our heart, in our heads towards our kids and verbalize them. We gotta find our voice and stand up and let them know, I love you, I'm proud of you, I believe in you, I'm for you. We've gotta communicate that affirmation. Our world is starving for it. And guys, our kids, they'll find someone somewhere who will tell them if we don't. And dads, there's a really good chance you're not gonna like the person they end up hearing it from. Let's affirm our kids. Let's give away what we're receiving. See, if this is something you've struggled with, well, listen, he's declaring it over you all the time. Heavenly Father, let me hear your boastful affirmation in my life that I may then turn around and affirm others. Amazing love, intimate involvement, boastful affirmation. Number four, he fathers by giving necessary provision. Jesus told us this about him. He says, Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We are valuable to him. He loves us and he will provide for our needs. Man, I've spent a lot of time in my adult life feeling anxious about my ability to provide for the needs of my family. Worried, like, is it enough? Can I, can I pull enough together? Can we get by? Like, I've felt that. I've lived that. And there've been times where I've even felt like very alone in that. Like, well, if I can't do this, who can? <laughs> Like we're in trouble if I can't muster or feeling like I fall short of, of providing their needs. And maybe I'm meeting their physical needs, but now I'm feeling like, am I providing enough just as a dad? Am I, some of the other things I've already said, like am I present enough? Am I communicating the right things? Like, but our father, he provides for all of our needs. And that's meant to quiet our fears that I'm on my own. Like I gotta be the tough guy that has it all together for my kids. He provides for me, he provides for us, he provides for my family. And it's beyond just physical. Ephesians 1, 3, I love how Paul opens this letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every aspect, 
spiritual blessing, emotional, mental, physical. He meets our needs. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. He fathers us by giving us what we need to live a successful life, both physically and spiritually. I love that it's anchored in heavenly places. Did you catch that? That means his provision, it's not just gonna like help me eke by today. I can rely upon him moment by moment every day of my life because he is faithful. And what he's giving me, what I really need, those deeper things, those spiritual needs I have, man, I can know that that's gonna anchor me on into eternity. He's pulling from eternal resources to meet my needs today. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All too often, I'm looking at the temporary resources that I run out of. I run out of time. I run out of money. I run out of energy. But the God who's lavishing on us and meeting all of our needs, he's drawing from eternal resources. He's more than enough. And see, those eternal resources can can invade our physical realm. Alex, were you, you were talking last Sunday about the gal that, ha, that had the jar that just kept over, yeah, right? Like it just kept overflowing. It's like, where's this coming from? Eternal heavenly resources is where it's coming from. He's got enough. He is enough. Number five, he fathers with strong protection. Here's another Psalm you can check out on your own where it talks a lot about God as our strength. Psalm 91 Let me read just verse two. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He's the one we can run to when we're in need. He's our protection. He's our shelter. Man, think about the context of where we opened this, talking about living in, in like a hard time, a hard season, chaotic lives. A culture that's increasingly Um, in opposition to our faith. God says, I am your shelter. I'm your protection. Don't worry about how externally it looks like your protection might be disappearing. I'm enough. Come to me. I'm your shelter. I'm your refuge. He wants us to have that mentality about him. This is the kind of mentality that, you know, in the story of the prodigal son, that son that wanders off and leaves and and squanders everything, when he comes to his senses, he knows I'm gonna be accepted in my father's house. As much as I've made a mistake, as much as I've blown it, I'm gonna be accepted. And so he knew that. And so he starts to trudge back home. And here's how awesome God's heart is for us. It's not just that he wants us to know we can come to him when we're in trouble. What does the father in the story do? He sees the son a long way off in trouble and he runs to meet him. And he wraps his arms around him and he brings him home. He brings him into safety. Our God is such a refuge, he'll come grab us. If we can just even slightly remember to go, God, oh yeah, I need you right now. I'm in trouble right now. He's there. He's our strong refuge. He's our protection. Strong protection is important. Parents, don't be afraid to make some hard decisions that would protect your children. Don't be afraid to set some limits, to say no, 
no one likes hearing the word no. Every single one of us needs it sometimes. Sometimes God's refuge and his protection in our lives is he's saying no. He's saying wait, he's saying stop. Don't trust that, trust me. Don't go there for affirmation. Don't go there for protection. Trust me, I'm your protection. See, the, the strong tower, the place of refuge, like when I go hide in a strong place to be protected, you know what that means? It means something bigger than me and stronger than me is taking the hit. It's taking the hit. It absorbs the danger and it's strong enough to handle it. Like a good, strong, safe place where I go, it's strong enough to handle it. It can survive the storm that's swirling, the challenges that are coming, but it takes the hit. That's who God is for us. He takes the hit. Number six, he fathers with loving discipline. Hebrews chapter 12, verses, um, you can read all of verse five through 11 for this. I'm just gonna read a, a few parts of it. Verses five, six, and 11. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. He disciplines us because he loves us. Remember where we started? Moses said, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This all works together. I think for many of us, we've, we've maybe had a hard time receiving godly discipline in our lives because maybe we haven't recognized that it's rooted in amazing love and intimate involvement and strong encouragement in our direction and provision for our needs and a shelter in the storm, that it's all flowing from that. And so then this God who loves us like crazy, who's working on our behalf, will come in and discipline us. And it's actually a sign of his love, not the opposite. See, I think all too often we've heard God's discipline in our lives as rejection, disappointment, He's mad at me. It's like, no, no, he loves me enough to take time to teach me and get me back on track. He loves me enough to discipline me. It's actually, it's actually a way to show your love is to choose to be present enough to say, hey, we need to talk about this. We need to address this. We need to grow here. And so it's an aspect of his love. Now the issue is, how is discipline administered? See, for many of us, the reason why discipline is something that, that causes us to pull back, pull away from God or others in our lives is because a lot of times it's done in really unhealthy ways. A picture of this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Paul writes and he says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Don't be a heavy-handed, discouraging father. 
don't parent out of your own frustration. Like there have been times where I've had to step back and go, am, am I disciplining my kids right now because I'm just annoyed and frustrated or because this is a genuine moment to teach them something that'll help them, that'll help them grow, that'll correct behavior. When God does it, he does it intentionally with purpose for our benefit because he loves us. And he can help us learn to do that more and more. Um, many of you have met my son, Micah. Micah's got special needs. We adopted him when he was four. And uh, he just turned 16 in the month of June. So he's been with us 12 years now. And my son is nonverbal. And so there have been different things we've done over the years to help him communicate. But remember when he was maybe, I don't know, six or seven years old, um, He's used a couple different speech devices over the years. We had this one little speech device. He, he kind of knew some main like words and phrases that he could put together to communicate. And so I remember this one time, I'm, I'm really frustrated with him and I'm sure it's showing on my face as much as in my voice. And like, you know, it's just, I don't even remember what the specific issue was now, but I, I remember the moment because of what I'm about to tell you. But I'm, I'm just frustrated with him. I'm trying to communicate like, you gotta stop doing that. Come on, buddy. And so... I just, I see him just kind of like, just struggling. And so I'm like, where's his speech device? And I hand it to him like, buddy, like, what do you have to say for yourself? And so he kind of hunts and pecks and he puts together like this short little sentence. And he, he literally types out, I is why bad. <laughs> what he's saying in his broken English there, he's saying, what did I do wrong? <laughs> He just knew I was mad at him. He had no clue what I was trying to communicate, no idea what he'd done wrong. And I'm, I'm certain that I, in the moment, it was just my emotions that were operating. And, and the Lord used it to like shift something in me. It, it broke my heart a little bit. I'm like, my poor kid is sitting here just flustered going, dad, I don't even know what I did wrong. I just know you're mad. And then just this little thing clicked. Like, am I parenting him to help him grow and learn from this? Or does he just know dad's mad right now? I'm just gonna kind of try to weather the storm while dad's mad because I have no idea what he's even trying to communicate here. God doesn't blow these storms of anger at us that we're just caught in the wake of. He loves us and he'll discipline us for our benefit so we can learn and grow and become more and more who he's called us to be. And we can learn more and more to receive healthy discipline, to not view it as rejection in our lives. And we can learn more and more to not parent out of emotion, but parent out of love, discipline out of love. Is this making sense, guys? This is God's heart towards us. Last one, y'all are hanging with me. He fathers with merciful forgiveness. He fathers with merciful forgiveness. Psalm 103, verses 11 through 14. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. 
He knows we're broken, flawed people, and so he goes easy on us. That's what it's saying. He extends mercy. He extends grace. He's patient with us. He knows we're struggling through. And so he, he lavishes mercy upon us. In fact, when he views us with his eyes of love, even when he's disciplining, and he extends mercy, he's not looking at us and seeing the thing we did bad right there. He removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. You may have heard me say this before, but I love that God chooses every word in very purposeful ways. He doesn't say he removes our sin from us as far as the north is from the south. Because see, if I start walking north, eventually I get to a little place called the North Pole if I could actually walk straight there. And then when I hit the North Pole, if I keep walking, what direction am I heading now? South. But if I turn and I start heading east and I keep walking that way, I don't eventually start walking west. I'll just keep circling and go, going east. East and west, do not they're two opposite directions. He separates us as far as the east is from the west. He's saying, I've removed that sin from you. That's what my mercy is like. That's what my love is like. He's merciful, gracious. He forgives. Guys, my, my hope and prayer is that who God is, this God who has amazing love for us, who's intimately involved in our lives, who wants to speak affirmation over us, who provides for our needs, protects us, dis disciplines us, and forgives us, that we would be so anchored in who God is that it would change the very course of our lives, that it would change the way we navigate in this world, the other relationships around us. Moses took time at the end of his life in his final words. Like you talk about a guy that had, had a lot of stories to tell. He'd lived a lot of life. But he wanted the people who, who he'd poured into, he wanted this to be their anchor. Above all, all the miracles and various moments and things they'd experienced, he just simply said, I want you guys to be rooted and who God is and his great love towards you. And if you will be rooted in that, it will set you on a course for life that will impact your life and your children's lives and the next generation. In the midst of a broken and chaotic world, this can be the thing that anchors you, that gives you an aim in life. You have a God who loves you like this. Friends, I pray that you hear his voice communicating his love towards you today. That on this Father's Day 2021, maybe just this much more, we would understand how great of a dad we've got. He's a good and perfect father. And if, if you heard aspects of this message that maybe poked at a weak spot in your own life, maybe a, a gap, a place where you haven't experienced his love, maybe a weakness in your life as a parent. I pray that you wouldn't hear condemnation. You would hear the voice of a loving father who's saying, I've got you. I know your frame. I know that you're just dust. 
and I love you, and I'm with you, and I'm for you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for showing us the Father. Thank you for making a way for us to be reconciled back to our heavenly Father who loves us, who created us, who now calls us sons and daughters. Heavenly Father, I pray that that more and more miraculously in our hearts, God, that you would heal broken places, places where we've received wounds from those who have parented us, fathered us, people that we... Maybe they were awesome parents, maybe, maybe not so much, but Lord, just any of those broken places in us, Lord, places where we don't even really truly understand who you are. God, would you give us clear vision of who you really are in your heart towards us? Lord, would you heal broken, damaged places in our life? God, give us clear vision to see you for who you are. God, may the truth of your love towards us permeate our lives and give us a real sense of home, a real sense of safety, protection, an anchor point in our life in this world. God, we need you. We declare that. We need you. And we thank you that you are present and you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me. This stuff this morning, I know it was a lot. I know we covered a lot of ground. Just pray God's love would continue to permeate our hearts and lives, all right? Happy Father's Day. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Have a great week. Brunch next Sunday. Looking forward to it.